Welcome to the Oxygen Advantage podcast with your host, Oxygen Advantage founder, Patrick McKeown. With the Oxygen Advantage podcast, we aim to show how functional breathing is an essential part of a healthy and well-balanced lifestyle. Each episode, we meet experts in their field from around the world and talk about their lives, their experiences, and how they learned the importance of breathing. Join us and get inspired. Get the Oxygen Advantage. We're going to have a conversation with Michael Italiano and Michael is a Formula One performance coach. And those of you who are watching the Netflix documentary, Drive to Survive, will give you some insight into the world of Formula One. But let's hear it from the man himself. Thanks very much, Michael. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Patrick. It's actually uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, mate. I'm uh, a big, big fan of your your content and I must admit, I haven't finished the Oxygen Advantage just yet, but I'm getting a, a ton of info and I'm definitely applying it to my own training. So, uh, yeah, it's good to, good to chat. Great stuff. And I think breathing is just one of those things. And I'm wondering, is it a tool that you use in terms of performance? Or when, when I'm looking at a young driver, and they're all young, like I looked at Daniel Ricciardo, like, for example, he's 33 years of age. It takes, there's so many different facets to make what constitutes a Formula One driver. What do you think they are in terms of the overall spectrum? If you're working with, with a driver, what, what are the tools that you're going to tune in on? Yeah, I think as a performance coach, you know, the, the first thing I, I look at, I, I start with the, the, the physiological, um, you know, um, effects that these guys go through um, and, and the physiological demands. So when when people when they're racing they go through um you know there's there's heat exposure so you know through um through um the environment so weather also you know the the, the asphalt and the rubber tires create like this massive heat bubble within their cockpit and they're wearing fire resistant suits which are not um they're not breathable right they're not they're not, they're not designed for ventilation they're designed to keep them safe so that's a, a big um physiological factor there where it's like uh, is just the, the heat exposure essentially the cockpit can get up to like 50 degrees uh g-force is another one um you know uh, g-force gets thrown around quite a lot um especially with like formula one drivers and um also like pilots it's probably probably the, the two that you know you can relate to when it comes to g-force and also the vibrations of the car so the the, the vibrations of the car that the, the drivers are fighting the car in some sense so there are there are forces, whether it's longitudinal and lateral forces, that these guys have to endure over a ninety minute race. So usually, I start with the, the the physiological demands, and I would program accordingly their training based on against essentially their sport specific um, demands. So that's kind of where I start from a performance aspect, and then yeah as as we know performance there's there's so many pillars to performance there's there's training there's nutrition there's recovery there's sleep and then there's there's cognitive demands right so the cognitive demands of, the, of these guys is is huge uh where do i start they're driving a car over 300 kilometers an hour for, for 90 minutes um there's over 20 buttons on their steering wheel so you know they're changing modes sometimes they're changing modes nearly every second or third corner because you know they're changing, they're changing brake balance or something that's just will suit um, like a long corner or, or a high speed corner compared to a, a low speed corner, and then so that you know they've got twenty toggles and, and twenty functions on their on their steering wheel and they're trying to looking they're trying to look in their mirrors either defending or attacking, 
uh, and then they obviously need to make sure that they keep their, their perception and um, intact as well to make sure that they're hitting the apex and hitting their driver line correctly. Um, there's a whole bunch of cognitive tasks that they just, they're literally going through every lap. You know, I think, I think some races they change gears like 70 times per, per lap. Right. And there's like 50 laps. So, you know, cognitively like they're changing gears flat out, you know, braking, accelerating, uh, attacking, defending, uh, you know, toggling on the steering wheel. It's, it's insane. Like these guys, they're, they're now getting the recognition that they deserve. Like that the sport is just booming. And um, I think people are starting to understand now how, how crazy these guys are from a, not just a physiological demand, but cognitively how talented these guys are as well. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember the days when I was a student and Eddie Irvine and Jordan team were, and we used to be staying up until about three o'clock in the morning watching it. Now I'm looking at it with slightly different eyes. This is about 23, 24 years later. The heat must be something else because I'm only thinking in terms of what that's going to do to stress levels. It's obviously driving up the heartbeat. And if the heart rate is getting too high, it's going to affect it's going to affect cognitive performance. So, tell us a little bit about that. So, what do is I'm assuming that the heart rate is monitored, and if a driver, because I remember just watching one of the drivers recently enough, he was losing the head always in behind the wheel, and then he was crashing. So, a little bit about that, Michael, because I find that's intriguing. You know, this is the stuff that we can all relate to because. You know, we've been there sooner, sometime or other. Yes. So the pr- the problem with the heat is it it will increase their core body temperature quicker than than what you you'd like, right? So the the body can typically endure like a four four degree difference in core body temperature before some serious side effects start to occur. So in the cockpit, their core body temperature rises quite quickly, literally in the first ten laps, like their core body temperature already elevating, right? So what happens then? The, the body the body starts obviously trying to cool itself so you start you know so excessive sweating starts to occur so this is where like your hydration protocol is super important and this is what else is super important is your cardiovascular fitness right because what we're trying to do we're trying to de- delay as much as we can the onset of fatigue because we know right scientifically the quicker you fatigue the quicker your cognitive performance starts to decline right your reactions go right? Your perception starts to go and your eyesight can actually start to get quite foggy as well. Right. And, and you can start, you can start to lose your, 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 your perception of vision. So, so it's very important. These guys stay fit because we want to make sure that we delay that onset of fatigue. Right. So we want to make sure these guys can endure as much heat demand as, as this, as this sport is bringing. Right. So that's probably why you, you probably see us, you know, on the bike doing quite a lot of cardio work, um, to answer one of your your one of the one of the things you mentioned, you said I assume their heart rate is monitored. So their heart rate is monitored, but monitored by F one. F one don't give us coaches the data, right? Which is crazy because we could do so much with that, right? It's a it's an ongoing battle that I'm trying to have. So essentially, it's it's illegal for us to put any wearable device on the drivers when they drive. So I can't put a heart rate monitor on him. It's uh, it's forbidden. So usually, what I do when um, when my drivers have testing outside of Formula One, when they when they you know preseason, I, I will whack a a heart rate monitor on, and I'll gather some data. And my data has found that most most of the time of the, when they're driving, their heart rate sits within a zone two 
sometimes elevates to a zone three in hotter races and if they're like under high pressured situations. So whether so, they're defending or for attacking. Somebody, for somebody who's not familiar with zone two, zone three, okay, the heart rate, where are you typically talking about? Well, it, I mean, it depends on the, the, okay. So typically zone one is like your resting state. Zone five is going absolutely balls out. So um, everyone's max heart rate and zones will always be a little bit different. It's, it's a very specific zone. So you can just imagine it's on the lower spectrum. So, you know, from one to five, it's between a two and three, right? So uh, if I'm talking my driver, it's between 125 beats per minute till about 145 beats per minute, right? So we, so yeah, so we do a lot of cardio within that specific zone of training. And I'll also make my drivers perform cognitive drills within that zone when they're doing their cardio stuff, uh, sorry, their cardio exercise. Um, so yeah, so, so that, that, that is another, I guess, part, part of it where it's like, okay, it's, it's very important to, to be fit and it's very important to be able to endure the, this, this, this heat demand. So the, probably the last thing that I probably do is I do some heat acclimation training for these guys. So if people don't, um, know what that is, it's essentially just training I'm in hot environments. It. Yeah. Hot environments to get, to get familiar and mm. uh, ad- adaptive to the the heat exposure that, that mm. we're about to go into. So literally right now, so we're, we're on race week in Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia is actually probably the hottest race of the year. So I've already had Yuki um, in the sauna for the last 14 days. So usually heat acclimation, you know, you do within, ideally, if you can have like a 15 day window, that has shown to be very, very uh, beneficial. Unfortunately, in Formula One, we don't get 15-day breaks. So research has shown that even up to a 10-day period of heat acclimation training has shown to have some benefits. So we have been doing the last 10 days since Bahrain, uh, literally as soon as Bahrain finished. Um, the good thing is we, we were in the heat in Bahrain, so you could use that as a bit of a you know acclimatizing um, training in itself. Uh, I've kept him in a sauna. And what studies have shown is, you know, putting yourself in a sauna post-exercise. So doing exercise and going straight to a sauna. Um, that has shown to, to really help from, from a heat acclimation perspective. So that's something that I do, not with every race, so the hot races. So Saudi being one, Miami gets really hot and humid. Uh, Budapest gets super hot in August. Singapore um, and sometimes Abu Dhabi, but Abu Dhabi is at night. So we do get lucky sometimes where it does cool off quite a bit. Um so yeah, so that's that's essentially mm. it. And then you know, I guess what you can add on top of that is obviously like breathing and just just staying calm. And the the one thing that I kind of took away from from your book is you know you're you're a massive uh, advocate on, on on nasal breathing, which which so, so we should right. It's what your nose is built for is to breathe. But you know there are a lot of us that are mouth breathers. But the good thing about Formula One drivers is they wear a balaclava, and the balaclava covers their mouth, so they're actually forced to nasal breathe in the cup. So it's a uh, it's a good little it's a good little uh, tool for me because I notice that you know m- well my driver I can only speak for my drivers my drivers are all nasal breathers in the car because the balaclava covers their mouth and they have a little microphone and they'll speak when they need to be when they need to speak but I notice when we're doing our cardio sessions they'll breathe through their mouth so I've said hang on a second guys you're you're doing this under such a cognitive and and, and physiological demand with your with your mouth closed. Why are you why are you training opposite? And and Yuki's like, oh, I, n- I never never thought of that. So then now we've you know we've started training our cardio with just nasal breathing, and 
to be fair, he's actually picked it up quite quickly. I think because he's been driving for so many years, nasal breathing, but he has, he wasn't even aware of it. He wasn't even consciously aware. Like when I first met him, I said, okay, when you, when you're in the car, you breathe out of your mouth or nose. And he looked at me, he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, okay, well, that's the first thing I need you to figure out. <laughs> Michael, so, I think uh, it's amazing. And you know what? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised because in sports, breathing has been overlooked. There's a few factors here. One is with heat, respiratory rate is going to increase. And if the driver starts breathing faster and harder, well, basically the body is telling the brain that the body's under threat and the brain is going to go into that fight or flight response. Now, combined with that, you've got an elevated heart rate. So controlling states is going to be really, really vital and teaching drivers how to be able to downregulate because, of course, the heart is affecting the respiratory system, but the respiratory system has an even bigger influence on the heart. We can control our heart rate to some degree by influencing our breathing. Now, yep. the other aspect that's in this is that you have a helmet, and I'm assuming that there's no external air coming into the helmet, or is there? Oh, uh, there's, there's a couple little air, air valves on the helmet, vents, but not, so not much. You're now have got heat and also pooling of carbon dioxide, which is also going to stimulate respiration. And combined with that is the task on hand, which is stimulating yep. in itself. I, it's it's really amazing how these guys are able to do it. Now, I would first, and I this is this is your podcast, but I'm just thinking out loud here. I think this is anybody when we think about breathing. If we want to think about how we're going to breathe in a car, we need to be thinking about how are we breathing outside of the car. And you were so right when you started bringing in nasal breathing. And by the way, our cognition is directly influenced by breathing through the nose, and there are studies on that. Yeah, I'm putting together a collection of papers. We're going to release it next month because the human nose has 30 functions, 30 functions to the human nose. But you can't really find where these functions are. They're all over the place. So my task at the moment is just collecting them, putting them out there, and we're going to release one per day. Quite yep. a few of them are cognitive based because of the, the information, the communication via the olfactory nerve from the nose up to the brain. So it's, it's yeah, it's really, really fascinating. So in terms of then, we're looking at the physiological demands and mm-hmm. what are their factors then? I'm thinking about concentration. I'm thinking about, so it's 90 minutes. And if that driver has a physical fatigue, it can relate to mental fatigue. And of course, then their attention. Does their mind wander? And of course, it's going to at some point. But is what, differentiate, what differentiates a really excellent driver? versus one that if their mind is wandering is that ever monitored how is that improved and are the drivers taught how to concentrate yeah i mean okay so to answer that last bit are the drivers taught how to concentrate i think that just comes with practice right and they're they're not taught how to concentrate unless us as performance coaches i guess assist with that um what differentiates a great driver with a good driver that that's a very good question i mean that's a very open open-end question my, my personal opinion is i mean it, it's I, I hate using this word but it's it's the ability to be perfect and what i mean by that is it's the drivers that just don't make mistakes right so that's just where they can just endure high cognitive loading and just be precise because the truth is there's there's so many parameters in this sport that can affect your lap time right so we've talked about fatigue fatigue then you know it can reduce your reaction time. And if your reaction time is reduced, then, you know, you, you're not you're not 
changing gear is in, in time or, or far quick enough, or you're not hitting your, your your apex or your driver line as well. So then, you know, that's that. If you're losing one or two tenths per lap, that's a, that, that could be the difference between a podium and finishing P6. You know, because because this this sport's all about one percent, right? Same goes with enduring G-force, right? So there's there's some there's some strong correlation where if you know the the main muscle group that that endures G-force in Formula One is the neck. So if their neck isn't strong enough, uh, their head is going to be start, starting to go side to side from the lateral loading. And if your head's going side to side, you can imagine your vision, right? You, you got you got this horizontal lateral vision. All of a sudden, if your eye line starts to move side to side, your perception, your everything, even from, from a cognitive performance, starts to just go 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 south essentially, right? So then you start losing lap time on that on that front. Um, and I know I keep referring to Saudi, but it's actually a prime example. So last year in Saudi Arabia, uh, Kevin Magnuson uh, had to fill in. For, uh, not fill in. I think he he got he got the he he got reintroduced into Formula One after having a year off. And Saudi Arabia is actually a very very high G-force track. It's got a super fast long left corner, which I think endures up to five to six G just that corner, right? right? And uh, if you watch his onboard in, in in qualifying, he loses his neck completely. He's turning, he's he's going along that long left, and you just see his neck, his head, just starts resting on the headrest because he's just lost it completely, and he's lost so much lap time. And and I remember we saw him uh, after the race, and, and Daniel just started laughing when he saw him because Daniel saw saw the onboard, and and Kevin knew what he was laughing at, right? And it's 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 not it's not. Um, it's not anything against Kevin. He just had so much time away from the sport. Unfortunately, you can't really train for G-Force, right? We, we train the neck a lot for sure. You know, we, we use a very, very good harness, neck harness. But it's one of those things where it, it's like anything, like football, right? You, you can do a full preseason of running, but until 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 you j- jump in a match, it's it's called, you know, match fit, right? I call it, I call it race fit, essentially, right? Until you actually get in the car and actually start enduring those forces and getting used to those forces, you're not your neck's not fully conditioned. So, unfortunately for for Kevin, you know, second race in, he's gone to to one of the most physical races. His neck just wasn't conditioned well enough as of yet. Uh, he, he said to Daniel, he said, "Yeah, I lost probably about half a second in my qualifying wow. lap because I lost my neck," um, which just shows you how much time you can lose when your your just your 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 head is not in the the correct stationary position. So. That's another. That's another that's thing. I, I guess I, I forgot to forgot to mention, and uh, that was a perfect example of watching Kevin's onboard. It's like he was super quick, but uh, he lost so much time because he just his his neck wasn't up to scratch um, as of yet because he had the year off. And there's another aspect of it as well that mentally, when you realize you're just after losing a little bit of time, that's going to affect some drivers then for the rest of the race because it's yeah. knocked you off form. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, we spoke about the, the physiological demands. It's like, okay, now all of a sudden my mind is on my neck. Jesus, how am I going to keep my neck? All right. And, I, and I'm, fe- I'm feeling like the burn, like the, the muscle burn, the tension. Same goes with a lot, a lot of some, some drivers get like muscle fatigue in the shoulders from, from the, from the steering wheel. So all of a sudden, you know, your mind goes to, 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 to your pain senses, right? So all of a sudden you're feeling pain in your shoulders. So you're not fully concentrated, you're not fully in your flow state. So yeah, it's, it, it there are so many parameters that can distract you, you know, and then don't forget, you know, you're trying to stay focused and you've got an engineer talking in your ear as well. And you need to, you need to, you need to take in that information 
and then you need to spit out the information that he's asking as well. So it's amazing. I can't, I can't, I can't even walk down a set of stairs and, and type a text message, let alone do what no. they're doing. But you know, visual spatial awareness as well. There was a study that came out from Israel in 2020 and visual, visual spatial awareness, which is your ability to have your, your focus on a target but also to read everything around you. So, for example, yeah. a player on a football, but obviously it's going to apply to a driver because they're watching yeah. both sides and ahead. It's higher with nose breathing versus mouth breathing. So if you want that study, I'll send it on to you. I'm just thinking Please do. The, the old brain here is whirring away, you know. Um, you said the drivers aren't trained how to concentrate. I find that absolutely bizarre in terms of, and maybe they are to some degree. There's a couple of things that are coming into my mind. What about drivers who are immersed in their mobile phones a lot, scrolling on Instagram and et cetera, et cetera, and they're training the brain to be distracted? Is there any policy on that? And the second thing is, you mentioned about flow states, and I I think it was also in that Drive to Survive, or maybe it was Michael Schumacher's documentary when they interviewed him back in his, his racing days. And he said, he says, when I am racing, he says, myself and the car become one. Now that's a flow state. And I heard Ayrton Senna as 100%. well. I quoted him in the oxygen advantage that almost that everything slows down. And at the same time, time flies and the right action is happening by itself. To access this flow state, we need to have our physiology in balance. If we're too much of an increase, increased stress response, it's going to knock us over. But for me, sleep quality. So there's a few questions tied in there, Michael. One is... Yeah you must be doing something to train the guys how to concentrate because there's no way somebody can have 100% of their attention for 90 minutes with all of this stuff going on. How do they do it? So I, I personally do as, as a performance coach, I, I do, uh, I have my, my cognitive methods of, of training um, Yuki's concentration, uh, decision-making uh, perception and, and, and peripherals as well. So that's something that we apply outside of race weekends, but also it's uh, part of our preparation. So we have a 45-minute uh, preparation period. You could call it a warm-up essentially before every session. So before P1, P2, P3 and qualifying and race. Um, that that I've seen massive improvements uh, and also in his reactions. So I do that. Um, so that's how I, I help him with concentration and obviously enduring cognitive load under stress i'll also put him in a i'll also try and distract him um you know i don't know if you heard that the whole tiger was his father how he yelled at him and yeah it's in the book putting yeah <laughs> so like honestly methods like that and, I, and i'm i'm talking crazy methods what i do to him um uh, I, I won't disclose it but I, I do some pretty bad stuff to him to try and distract him and he's he's because Go on, tell us we're dying to know michael i'll uh we're very we're very new in our relationship. We've only started working for three months, so he's still getting used to my training methods. But his ability to pick it up at the moment, like I, I'm, I'm pouring water on him without him even knowing. Like, he, and he's like losing his mind. Like, what are you doing to me? But now, I am doing the most. I'm doing some pretty bad things to him, and I can just see him just staying calm now. And I can see, I can see the type of reaction that we want to see, essentially. Yeah. So, I, I do do that. Um, that was one of your questions. Yeah, flow state. Um, the last dance is another example that you know. Um, I don't know if you if, if you watch that, but Michael Jordan talks about like all the distractions that were going on about his father, um, people starting rumors about his gambling addiction, and then he just talks about as soon as he crosses that white line, everything else is a blur. 
everything. And he, he talks about how he can get into his flow state and he's like, nothing, nothing affects him. And so that was just another example, I guess I wanted to, to, mm. to throw in there. Do, do you think the drivers are able to, so it's almost that they're able to come, compartmentalize that regardless if something is happening in their private lives, as soon as they get into the car, they're able to switch on everything towards that. Or does it sometimes cross over? I'm assuming with some drivers, it can cross over. So some drivers have very strong, like when I say, okay, when I say some drivers, I'm talking about my drivers. I do have drivers that have the ability just to switch everything off. As soon as they put their helmet on and they get in that cockpit, nothing else matters. Some other drivers have, have had busy minds. So when there is uh, external stresses, I, I do see that play a little bit of a part on their performance. So I, I do like to have like a, a, a midweek spill, I call it, where I sit down on Wednesdays and we just, uh, me and my driver, we just spill what's what's bothering us, what's on our minds, what do we, what do we want to get off our chest? And it's not just him or, or her, it's me as well. So we'll talk together. like Because if I'm going to ask them to open up, the least that I can do is, is open up as well. So... Um, I got my midweek spill with uh, with Yuki in in a couple of hours, which I'm looking forward to. So we just sit down and just just get everything off our chest because a, a clear mind is is what we want for, for optimal performance for these guys, right? So I like to do that as a coach. That's worked very very well for me in the past. Um, so I'll continue to do that. Um, the phone is an absolute pet pet hate of mine. Um, there's so there's yes there's too much phone use with some. In, in the past for sure that I, you know, so I do need to monitor phone usage because scrolling on social media just takes up so, so much like useless energy. Oh, of, totally. Right. And it's just totally. not what they need. Right. Yeah. But unfor- unfortunately that has been a very big uh, barrier um, yeah. for, for some, for some people because these guys have such hyperactive minds. They don't know how to, they don't know, they don't know how to calm down. They don't know how to settle. Yeah. So they just yeah. grab their phone and just start scrolling because they need to yeah. stay busy. Um, and with that, with hyperactive minds comes struggle sleeping sometimes. So the good, yes. good thing is Yuki, Yuki is a very good sleeper. Um, so I do monitor his sleep. So I have Yuki wearing a whoop band so I can monitor his strain, recovery and sleep. And that gets linked straight to my app. So I don't have to bug him in the morning. I just log on. His data comes through. I can see his resting heart rate, his HRV, and then that way then I can kind of dictate, okay, how's he feeling? He's primed or, okay, he's a bit fatigued. Maybe I don't put him through, um, you know, uh, our high-intensity cardiovascular session today. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll take the load off a little bit. And it helps me with my programming. Um, and I've already – and what I do, I, I track that data and I kind of find like that that peak balance of when I know he's he needs to be – when he's super fresh. So – Going to Bahrain last weekend, I looked at his numbers and it, the correlation showed very, very, very clearly that, okay, we've, we've peaked in perfectly. Um, and that showed we had a really, really good race weekend. He didn't make a single mistake all weekend to, to a point where well, um, the lead engineer came up to me and said he actually raced his best race for Alpatari in, in two and a half years wow. because you know, he literally didn't see a single mistake um, in his data. So that was that was very pleasing for me that you know the, the data did align um, quite well and Yuki was quite chuffed with that. So I do have some strong data now to be like, okay, I know I know what kind of zone he needs to be in to be peak, peaking, and I kind of know what zone where I can when I can start pushing him when we have a training block uh, available yeah. to do some hard training. Um, do any of your drivers wake up at a dry mat in the morning? Do you check that in terms of whoop and HRV? And the other thing before I forget about it, I'm just thinking about correct tongue resting posture because that assists with balance. 
So yeah. is it ever used inside the car that when a, a driver is there it, to help with the G-forces, the tongue should be resting up in the roof of the mouth. And the diaphragm also is mechanically linked with the throat muscles. We have 20 muscles in the throat. Mm-hmm. Now, typically my work is looking at the connection between the diaphragm and the upper airway dilator muscles in, for example, obstructive sleep apnea. But I'm just wondering, if the diaphragm is mechanically linked with the muscles in the throat, well, if we have a breather with, sorry, if we have a breather, if we have a driver with dysfunctional breathing, who's breathing a little bit upper chest, they've got reduced yeah. recruitment of the diaphragm and they may not be getting that stabilization up here. I'm only throwing it out there. So tongue resting posture and mouth breathing during sleep, because I'm conscious we've only a few minutes left. Yeah. So I actually haven't, I haven't got into mouth breathing um, when Yuki's sleeping. So I, I need to get into that because there's been a lot that we're trying to get through together because, you know, I only started with him two, three months ago. So we're already making great pro- progress. But yes, that is one. Um, tongue positioning, no. I actually don't know much about that. So that's something that you could probably educate me on. Um, but he does, he, he, is a, he, is, he doesn't breathe through. He doesn't, he's not a strong um, chest breather, which is good because um, that is something that I uh, visually look at, especially when we're on the bike. Um Thank, thanks to, to to your to your book, Patrick. Everything that I, I, I apply to myself, I'll then apply to Yuki and try and make um, improvements there. But yeah, tongue, tongue posture, no mate. So that's mm. probably something that you've uh, you've brought to my attention. It's interesting. There could be a connection there. So just kind of bring it all in together because all of these skills are transferable. You know, mm-hmm. these guys are at the pinnacle. They're absolutely up there, and I think the mental skills are those because. I often use the the idea, you know, we spend 12 or 16 years in formal education and we're not taught how to concentrate. And we're not taught how to deal with stress. So yeah. both of those factors are going to be instrumental. So, for example, when you're looking at Lewis Hamilton, you actually know just by looking at him, he is so focused and nothing yeah. is. And he is going to be in the zone, maybe not all races, but pretty much pretty much all races. Um you know, if if anybody was to say to me, what are the most important traits in life? Maybe I should be putting that to you. What do you think are the most important as a high performance coach? What are mm-hmm. the two most important things that when you have a young driver, yeah. any driver, what do you really want to change first and why? Sleep quality and hydration, because people talk a lot about external stresses because life these days there's so many external stresses whether it's finances relationships social media the the media in general you know you, you watch the news and it's all bad news there's no good 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 feel switch, good stories switch it off. right yeah. yeah i don't i don't i don't watch the news haven't yeah. haven't in two and a half years um yeah. so but people what people aren't aware of is internal stresses right and one of the biggest internal stresses is dehydration generally when we wake up generally we're dehydrated right and dehydration ha- has strong strong correlation to cognitive ability right and and your focus so for me like as a coach the the, the i like to i like to improve the the basics the basics first right because for me it's like you need to do the basics right especially in this environment where we're probably on 70 flights a year and the date the year goes so quick sometimes you just feel like you're in simulation you need to do the basics right once you've got the basics right and you've got that found, that strong foundation, then you can start working on the little 1% as I was talking about earlier on in this, in this podcast. So the basics for me 
sleep and hydration, it's such an easy fix. Well, maybe not sleep, especially if you've got some sort of apnea, like it's not an easy fix, but well, some, you can work some, in some, it though. You can work in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when I say easy, I'm probably, I'm probably going to say sleep hygiene, right? Because yep. any sleep yeah. habits is, is an circadian easy fix. rhythm, and, for example, with all the flights. Yeah. And hydration is an easy fix. And that's something that most of the time athletes are just not aware of. Like they, yeah. I, ask, I tell them, like, how much should, how much fluid should you be drinking per day? No idea. And it's crazy, like, to think that, like, hydration is, is like, it's the basic, basic thing of just staying hydrated can improve your cognitive performance. It, it, it can improve your digestion. It can it, it even help you lose weight, right? It can even help you, like, build muscle. Like, hydration is just so important. So, yeah, to answer your question, they're probably the, the first two things I will, I'll make an impact on. Excellent. So, Michael, I'm going to draw it to close. Listen, pleasure talking. What a wonderful sport. Um, it's so cool to watch. And I wouldn't consider myself to be a petrol head, but I think maybe it's <laughs> every man's dream is to to drive fast, you know, um, to some extent. So it's so cool. And to see individuals pushing their parameters there. Thanks very much. No, you're welcome. It's it's, it's good to chat. And um, yeah, breathing is something that I've only gone into probably the, like the last year. And it's something that I really want to, I guess, uh, honing on from an education perspective to start applying it a lot more to, to my drivers because I do see uh, a massive benefit in it. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep uh, I'll keep up with your content, Patrick, and I'll, I'll keep uh, I'll keep applying what I'm learning. And yeah, if uh, if we're doing well, um, you can probably put it down put it down to what I'm learning. <laughs> Let's go for that one percent. Yeah, exactly. Great stuff. Thank you for listening to the Oxygen Advantage podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and maybe take the time to leave us a review. The Oxygen Advantage podcast is available from all your podcast providers.